0: Because of the coming day of the Lord, the prophet Joel calls the people to a community lament. The repentant community reminds God of his gracious character and asks God to spare the people, lest the nations doubt God's power to save. The first reading is from Joel, the second chapter. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God? Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join in the responsive reading of Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me from my and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sins are before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words, and blameless in your judgment. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you.
1: Deliver me from the of the God, O God, in my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness.
0: O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your grace. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering.
1: The sacrifices of God are
0: The ministry of the gospel endures many challenges and hardships. Through this ministry, God's reconciling activity in the death of Christ reaches into the depths of our lives to bring us into a right relationship with God. In this way, God accepts us into the reality of divine salvation. The second reading is from 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor well known, as dying, and behold, we live, as punished and not yet killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of our Lord. Some things have happened in the last couple of weeks that have made me kind of realize that we don't know a whole lot about some of our church histories, we don't know a lot about some of the things that we do in church service, and why we do it, why we stand, why we sit, why we, we, we bow, we reverence altars, and that sort of stuff, and why is it we have Ash Wednesday? There's probably half of the country on a night like this that don't have Ash Wednesday services, they don't know much about it. And so for us maybe to spend some time and just remember what we believe. And in there I'll trust that God's going to work and He's going to let these words find a way into your life and how you put them to practice in the next forty days as we approach or the next forty six weeks as we approach Easter and then but also for the rest of our lives. So what is it we believe is historical Christians? Well, today the faith communion team, Liturgical churches around the world are going to start what they consider a 40-day day journey, if you will. It's actually like 46 days, 47 days, but if you take out the Sundays, it goes back to 40. And at one time it was 30, I'll get it, I'm going to jump ahead now and I want to jump ahead. So 40 days of the season of Lent um, begins today. Forty is a special number in the Bible. It's good to remember some of these things. Forty. It's mentioned about a hundred and about. I think it's 146 times the number 40 is mentioned in the Bible. That's a lot. 146 times in Scripture. So it symbolizes a period of preparation or trial or prohibition. That's what the 40 days were about. During Moses' life, he lived 40 years in Egypt He lived 40 years in the desert before God called him, and then he lived about 40 more years until he led him through the wilderness, until he got to the edge of prominence. That's 120 years old was Moses when he passed. So 40 years in four batches of 40s. Moses was also on Mount Sinai to prepare for the occasion for 40 days and 40 nights, God's law in Exodus, before he received them. That, you can find that in Exodus 24 and 34. He, spent, he sent spies for 40 days to investigate a land that God had promised the Israelites as an inheritance. You can find that in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, another 40. The prophet Jonah powerfully warned ancient Nineveh that in 40 days you are going to be no more because of your sins. He marched from one side of the city to the other side saying, in 40 days and no more, 40 days and no more. The prophet Ezekiel laid on his right side for 40 days to symbolize Judas' sins. Elijah went 40 days without food or water at Mount Oreb. Jesus was tempted by the devil not just three times, but many times during his 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days, Jesus was in that wilderness, communing with his father, praying with his father, fasting. He also appeared to his disciples 40 days after his, for 40 days after his resurrection. Forty is a lot of times in the Bible. You can look them up. Each one of them is beautiful. Jesus, just days before his crucifixion, Jesus prophesied the total destruction of Jerusalem in Matthew 24 and in Mark chapter 13. And 40 years after his crucifixion, the mighty Roman Empire destroyed the city of Jerusalem and burned the beloved temple to the ground. The old age of worldly kings and kingdoms was to come to an end. The old age of worldly religious and political institutions was to come to an end. Capital cities and stone temples were overcome by God's holy kingdom established in Christ Jesus. God's holy will demonstrated in Christ Jesus, and God's holy Spirit with dealing, dwelling within the individuals and uh, the as individually as collectively as the church. And that kingdom has remained and will remain. A new age has begun. Lent's 40 days. Ancient Christian traditions in both East and West observed a 40-day preparation time for the unbaptized before they would be baptized on on, on Christmas, both East and West. Early on in the West, Lenten services or Lent seasons included every day except Sundays because Sundays are always considered little Easter's. That first day of the week is always remembered as a little Easter. And so you won't have a fast. You won't have any of those things going on on Easter. They're celebratory times. So they added days ahead of that Sunday to get the number to 40. So that's the number of weeks, the number of days. If you were to go to your calendar and start from today, go to Easter, you'll count the days. Since about the 7th century, in order to achieve the 40 days, Western Christians has fasted. Oh, I already said that part. Um, it's not clear that Ash Wednesday began the Lenten fast with the imposition of ashes. Um, this, what we're doing today with Ash Wednesday, didn't start right off the bat. So even though, in three twenty-five, the Council of Nicaea, they had this forty-day preparation and getting converts and stuff like that, what we're doing with Ash Wednesday came a little bit later. Originally, the Old Testament and the early church imposition of ashes was one of several public penitential rites required of those persons who wished to be restored to the church. Some had been excommunicated because of a sinful lifestyle. Some had had other behaviors. Some had renounced the church in order to save their own lives when there was persecutions on the church. And how would the church ever receive them back? The church would receive them back with a series of things, of, of confessions and penitential acts, including ashes, the symbol of forgiveness and, and repentance. As early as the 4th century, penitential rites were adopted across the entire Christian church, and they were associated then with a 40-day fast, this Easter preparation. Seems to be clear that around 1091, the custom was ordered by Pope Urban II and the Council of Benevito, ben- and it would be extended to the entire Western Church. The Ash Wednesday began. They called it Feria Quarta Cinerum, Ash Wednesday. That's the history of some of those pieces. Understanding the day. Ashes are placed on the foreheads of the faithful, were made from burning the blessed palm branches from the previous year's Palm Sunday. Parishioners are taught to take those palm branches home and put them in places where they have pictures of Jesus and their crosses and their Bible and the candles, places where in their homes they dedicate their lives to prayer within the homes. They're to take that palm branch and leave it there all year long, remembering um, Palm Sunday. Then they're to bring it back the Sunday before Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. And the the pastor or the priest would take those palm branches and burn them and crush them and mix them with oil and pray God's blessing upon them to be used on the Wednesday service. As we're thinking about these things, I want you to notice that the daily life actions of Christians incorporated the remembering of faith lessons. They kept things from this worship service during the year in their homes, in their places, so they could remember them day in and day out. During the year, the church as a community would gather and remember the entire story of creation, of God's provisions, redemptions, and his expectations of us as a holy people. Today, priests would place the ashes on foreheads, and they would say, remember, man, that you are dust, and into the dust you return. Way back from Genesis chapter 3. These words indicate that ashes are a sign of mortality. Like it or not, mortality. The words, the remembrance is intended to call each person to spiritually mortify, spiritually die in their body and their flesh during the season of Lent. Jesus says to die to sin and and find life. He says that frequently. Mortify, to put to death our pride, to put to death our lusts and our greeds, our envy, our laziness our malice, our love of the world, put it to death through the sacrificial acts of prayer, of meditating on God's Word, of giving to those who have needs, and of fasting. Scripture readings for Ash Wednesday teach us and call us to these very things. The prophet Joel, the faithful, From the prophet Joel the faithful can hear that we are to return to the Lord with all of our heart by means of fasting, weeping, and mourning. And in doing these things, we rend our hearts. means we tear apart, we pull apart, and open up our hearts by force as we return our hearts and our souls and our lives to God. God doesn't want us to tear our clothing. There was a time in history where you say the king would tear his clothing as a sign of his, his sorrow and as of repentance and of and the ugliness of the moment. The priests would tear their clothes at blasphemy. God doesn't want us to tear our clothes. He wants to tear all the rags that we clothe ourselves in our lives that lead us into sinful ways and separate ways from him and each other. Tear them and expose our hearts tenderly to our father. Likewise, in Matthew's gospel, the Lord Jesus admonishes, he warns all those who are listening. He rebukes all those listening, that they would practice their way of holy living, that they would give generously, that they would pray continuously, and they would fast so they would store up their treasures in heaven. That somehow in those actions, we are discovering treasure with God. And we're establishing treasure for all eternity. And we're to do these things in a humble, worshipful, and grateful way. As if to the Lord God Himself. Not because we want credit and blessing from the people around us, but because we want the love and the heart of our Heavenly Father. Such a way of living recalls that our hearts are to be fixed, not on the temporary, the fading, the vain things of this earth, Our hearts are to be fixed on the heavenly treasures of our Father's love, Jesus' love, the Holy Spirit's love, and the gifts of the Spirit of joy and peace. Charity, good news, good acts. For Christians, the reception of ashes, we do this as a whole community on the first day of the Lenten season, is a physical and visual, emotional evoking of God's sign of our baptism. Our fast is not simply the denial of foods or the giving of accessionary discretionary money. Our fast is Christ-like discipline of subduing the passions of the flesh, flesh of putting to death ungodly ways. We will discover in these 40 days... That there is freedom in the fast. That there is peace in the prayer. That there is joy in caring for others. And there is life in daily Christ-like discipline. May God's power and grace fill you and me and guide us all. As we now engage a holy season called Lent. Amen. We confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day He rose again, He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.